Uh, testing, testing. Is everybody okay? What we can't even enjoy the goddamn Barbie movie in peace. It is Friday. We're barely making it out alive in this bitch. And I just need to know what the reason is. No, guys, I wanted to hop on here because as you know, there is a lot of SHIT hitting the fan. And, you know, we can't enjoy anything in entertainment ever. Not sure if you got the memo. I've only been saying that for like three years here on the podcast. But I thought it was very interesting that all at the same time, the Barbie movie comes out and that backlash, the Jason Aldean mess and the big controversy around the Sound of Freedom movie and kind of the the loose ties that I'm watching all of this simultaneously play out and the ties all of these things have. And as we do here on a philosophical Barbie moment, the big picture of it all. And I have a little treat for you because when I get into Jason Aldean, that's going to be the second kind of topic of the episode. I actually have a an on-the-ground uh, up-and-coming um, music, uh, country music artist to weigh in on it. We just talked today. So it's fresh. Uh, it's so fresh and so clean. And unlike all the comment sections that are just getting dirty, and uh, let's give it a little input today. Like I said, this is a little bit spur of the moment kind of thrown together, but you know, giving the people what they want, it's what we are in the business in, so let's go. So the Barbie thing, first of all, I can't wait to see this movie. I thought about having a cancel me baby Barbie viewing session party with you guys, but not really sure how that would work since we're not quite in the metaverse yet. And thank God for that shit. Uh, but so this may be a little bit premature because I'm just basing all of this off of all the critiques and the uproar that I'm seeing again, like, did Barbie ask for this? Uh, just let it be what it is. But and that could go for the filmmakers too. You know, that remains to be seen. But this could also be an interesting journey and an interesting, you know, arc that may or may not be like what is going to play out in the Barbie movie. Because after I see it, I can come to you guys and it'll be a, it'll be a fun little journey. Because again, I'm basing, it's really fresh. I'm basing all of this off of what I'm seeing versus my actual take and uh, and experience watching the movie. So I'll say this right away, right? I mean, like, no one has chill about anything ever in this existence. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. I need a nap. But as to be expected, you have, you know, right-wing commentators and, you know, influencers and entities, what have you, just crying about how this is you know, woke propaganda. I literally saw Ted Cruz be like, this is CCP propaganda, everybody. It's like, what? Because there's a scene where Barbie is, there's a map of her with the globe or something. Anyway, he must be pulling a Richard Simmons because he is stretching a little too hard, right? But they say how it's nonstop, you know, it's trans indoctrination because there happens to be a female trans character. Like, again, no chill to be had ever. Also, amidst the SAG uh, writer uh, writer and actor strike all going on right now, it's hilarious because the people who are going to these parties and these premieres because actors contractually aren't allowed to be promoting their movies right now with the strike. And so you have literally like Matt Gates at this Barbie party, right, with his wife. And these people are crying about how Barbie doesn't preach enough about faith and family values. And it's like, guys, 
guys, guys, welcome to the world. Welcome to the universe. Since when has Barbie ever been? Barbie has no obligation to be your Sunday school Catholic church teacher. Like, what are you even saying? What are you saying? Like, again, the reach, right? But where I'm starting, and I have said this from the get-go, like from the first murmur of the Barbie movie, I was skeptical that it was going to go a little too hard on the male bashing, you know, pro-feminism theme. I was worried about this from the beginning. And already, again, we'll see. I'll 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 be the judge of that uh when it comes when I see it. But people are saying it goes so hard on this. Like it says patriarchy every five seconds and how it male bashes so much though that the Kens, this is allegedly, again, this is just critiques I'm, I'm seeing all around, right? And how the Kens are all, like, obviously the Barbies are, you know, they're presidents, Pulitzer winners, astronauts, right? And the Kens are, from what I've read, not only dumb, but are like bigots and assholes and all this, right? And so we don't want to be having that. That's no good. That's not a good look for us, right? Number one, because of at the base of it, in a time when we want to be entertained, do that, especially when Barbie is the most iconic, really female like figure when it comes to pop culture, right? I've said this before, but in a time when women were appointed solely with making banana bread as housewives, really breaking out of that and seeing this gorgeous woman be and do anything, right? So, you know, there's a part of me that's like, you can do it, but do it the right way. And does it have to be at the expense of men? Like get it, Barbie was always about this. And yes, Ken was always like the the side the side chick, the side again, if you will. Um, and that's what was so great about it. But it didn't have to be this hooting and hollering. And why I say this is so problematic is because if you remember my last episode about the Tucker Carlson, Andrew Tate nonsense is in my mind, a product of this very thing, right? Painting men out at every turn to be, you know, to be assholes, they suck, they're bad, they're stupid. And in turn, you have a bunch of asshole Andrew Tate's running around trying to stake their claim and being the biggest misogynist and feeling like the only way that they can assert their manliness is literally by degrading women. Like you're not a tough, cool guy, you're a loser, right? But this is the product of that. Now, with that said, I don't think that we have to baby them or put them on a pedestal, but I do think that this over and over recurring theme in media causes that serious backlash. So that's why I don't want to be seeing this. No bueno. You know who did this artfully and skillfully? Being illegally blonde. Be illegally blonde. Like, oh, would we see Warner. Warner's a loser. Warner is left in the dust. He graduates without honors. He, gra he gets dumped, right? Same with that loser professor who hits on her loser. But then we see the shiny standard of her boyfriend, who is her biggest cheerleader, having her back. Like, that is what I'm talking about. And that's what we need to see. Instead of crucifying men and the patriarchy and all this at every turn, let's see these solid 
role models of what respectable men should be who can hold their own and have their own thing going, but respect and cheer their women on. Like be a legally blonde, you know? So that's that on that. And then again, like the question, which goes into the Jason Aldean thing, which is next up at bat is again, a question I've been asking on the show forever. What is the line of being purely entertained and having some sort of cultural commentary? You know, what is the line? Or do we just want to be entertained, but again, in a legally blonde way that still makes a point and doesn't have to shit on anybody. Okay. So Jason Aldean, this is this is a real big mess. So his new music video, Try That in a Small Town, has been accused of people are losing their minds. It was pulled off of CMT and there's imagery of uh, violence and, you know, gun use and rioting and all of this stuff. And people are saying that it is racist and that it is uh, you know, like a white supremacist manifesto and pro-gun violence and all this, even to where Sheryl Crow called it out and said, you know, I'm from a small town and this is just inciting violence. Shame on you. This isn't cool. Like you're a loser kind of thing. Basically what Jason Aldean said is that the whole theme of the song is talking about the, the violence that we've seen gone on, particularly in, it's everywhere, right? But particularly in these big cities. And the whole idea is in a small, tight-knit town and community, that shit doesn't fly because it's like no matter what background, color, creed, you have each other's backs. So within the music video, there's all this imagery, like I said, of all of these things. Now, before I get into the message of it, and if I think it's racist and all of this, right? I will say off the bat, there is just some messy creative. Like, unfortunately, we are in the psychotic everyone on alert era and you have to cross your T's and dot your I's. Like I'm even learning this as I do this podcast. If I, if I skip saying one little thing, people think something else. Like you literally, unfortunately have to be so thorough, which I hate, but it is what it is. And this is part of where like, again, this is just sloppy, right? So an example is Jason went on to defend himself and said, this is, you know, this is what it's really about. There's not one line about race. All of the news footage in the music video is real life actual news footage right and so this is where though and I don't know how much of a say he had in this but we come to learn and, and this is like where TikTok for the win like the unsung hero of the day for once who would have thought because like I've said the people on there you could see from the people who responded to my Andrew Tate critiques are certifiably deranged but this is a time it came in for the win and people on there basically found that some of the footage in Jason Aldean's music video has nothing to do with anything ever. It's like cheesy stock footage from Berlin, Germany, you know, this, that. And that's where it's like, yikes, like get it together. And that's where people are accusing him of using these stock images of like, you know, someone starting a fire, someone putting their fin middle finger in the police's face to rile people up, right? Secondly, the reason people have a problem with it is because it's shot in front of a courthouse here in Columbia, Tennessee with the big American flag. And there, this was the site uh, famously of a lynching of a black man who allegedly assaulted a 16 year old white girl in 1927. And then in the uh, 1940s, there was a, a race related riot there, right? So people are saying that 
um, is like undertones and messaging there, right? Of again, like white supremacy and like this is what happens when you try when you try this stuff in a small town. And this is again where it's like what's splitting hairs and what's creative sloppiness because let's not overlook that this site has also been the site of the filming of projects like the Hannah Montana movie and a Mario Lopez Lifetime movie. So that could just be a, an oversight um, or that could be, you know, on purpose. And, you know, Jason Aldean pretending like what? Like, I don't know, right? So all that goes to say, oh, and also the idea of gun violence. So this is where I feel like it's getting twisted because people are saying like the Sheryl Crows that it's promoting gun violence and that it's hypocritical because Jason and his wife who was pregnant at the time survived the Vegas, um, that horrible uh, Vegas mass shooting so much so to where there were literally bullets in his own tour bus. Um, but this is where it gets a little again into the nuance. It's like, I feel like you guys are missing the point. Uh, I don't think he's glorifying gun use and also like missing uh, like he's obviously saying all this violence and all of this is bad. And I think that is a different and more nuanced conversation than responsible gun use. Right. I mean, he's even said in his past in, and I believe he even in the video, he, there's even footage from that mass shooting. Right. So it's not like he's shying away from it or glorifying it. It's like showing how bad it is. So I feel like it's important to distinguish because he in the past has said that while he is pro second amendment he also thinks it's way too easy to get guns so i feel like it's just a little bit of nuance in there because it's like don't flip the message i don't feel like this is pro violence or pro, pro gun i feel like what he was trying to do was actually show that that's bad um but also again the nuance in recognizing how horrible this all is but being able to also it doesn't have to be so no pun intended but black and white and extreme to where someone like a Jason Aldean, because of the horrific thing he experienced, has to be cold turkey, like no guns, gun law, you know, all this, um, and can still advocate for safe gun use and responsible gun use, right? Like both things can be true. Um, so that's that on that. And then in terms of the message, I mean, I don't think, I think people, it's a little bit of a stretch. Like I get what he's saying. I get the whole hometown thing. I think people are looking and they're, they're trying to find, you know, problems with it and feel like they're attacked. And overall, I get what he's saying. It's like, we can all relate. We do feel like there's violence everywhere. We all are, we all are scared. Like he says, you know, we all want to get to a place where we have each other's backs and there's tranquility and unity, basically. I'm paraphrasing, but that idea, right? So I don't know. I feel like that's getting a little bit blown out um, of proportion. And, you know, something to also think about too, right, is I did a little digging before this and, you know, not sure if you guys know this, right? But one of the most racially controversial songs is by the Rolling Stones. And it's called Brown Sugar. But before that, it was called, it was literally called Black Pussy. It's from 1971. And the song is about a slave who's brought onto a plantation and is raped. And it's just really fascinating because people have argued, like the, the band has said, this is anti-slavery and, you know, this is the message, whereas critics and other people and listeners have said, this is completely racist. This is fetishizing, fetishizing, Fet making a fetish of, you know, black women and black women getting abused and all this. So 
over time, they started distancing themselves from the song, not performing it as much and all this, right? And it just made me think on the whole that, yes, we are, and in even some of the articles I read about it, it was like, this is pre-cancel culture, all this, right? And yes, people will argue we are in a different time, whether it be, you know, sexism, racism, like things that flew then just wouldn't fly now and you have to act accordingly, right? And that's totally true. But at the same time, it feels like we're in such a, a culture of jumping to conclusions that we cut out that whole like middle process. Do you know what I mean? Like we cut all that out. And so we just, you know, don't even allow for that dialogue to happen. So there's a part of me that wonders like, you know, can we allow for that growth? Can we allow for that dialogue? You know, it's funny because I even think about it in terms of like rap and hip hop music, right? And I'll be at the gym and like, I'll hear Jaw Rule or Lil John, and it's like, get the pussy on the floor. Like so degrading. And again, like stuff like that, that not only like wouldn't fly today. And again, that's okay because we change and we grow and, and that's how it should be. Um, but also sidebar, oddly enough, how I feel like female rappers have taken on this role, which is a whole other conversation to be had, but like how they sexualize themselves so much. And it's like how to, again, like to what extent, like how healthy is that? But, um, you know, allowing for, for change and for these conversations and for this process. And like I said, it feels like all of this, like everyone just being on the defense and attacking and taking things down and censoring, so to speak, just cuts out the room for all of that dialogue and that growth, right? So without further ado, let's hear a little bit about what my friend Rotondo, who is a country music artist here, has to say about it. All right, everybody. So here to weigh in on the Jason Aldean chaos is the man himself. We got Rotundo in the building today. A, a, who better than a Nashville-based, Music City-based white male country artist to weigh in on this mess? So off of the bat, um, A, does your management hate you? And B, your thoughts on this entire cluster that's going on right now my management hates me for other reasons you know what i mean okay. but um but no i think uh i don't know we kind of have like a general rule just kind of like try to stay out of i don't know just like controversial things because i mean my manager gave me some great advice one day he was like you know why you never talk shit and i was like why he was like because you don't gain anything from it you know what i mean and i was like that's fair but uh, i feel like there's some things that you can weigh in on without you know, shining too much light on, on like your personal views and stuff, I guess, you know what I mean? Everybody's kind of scared to talk. I'm not really scared to talk, but I think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, you know? So was this, when you say that your management has given you advice, like don't be talking shit, is this oh. what that is? No, not really. No, just like, uh, just in general. I mean, this was years ago. I had nothing to do with this, but it's like, take like, take like the Morgan situation, for example, right? right? you know, that happened and everybody was, was hounding him and stuff. And it's like, yeah, obviously like he should not have done that. Like, I think that goes without saying, but like when you go online and say something about it, uh, as, as an artist from like a career perspective, you're not gaining anything from jumping online and talking smack. All you're doing is really alienating a piece of your fan base that might also be a fan of Morgan. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I think, but, but I think you can, you can say some things without, you know, just, I don't know, I guess 
pissing anybody off. Not that I'm scared to piss anybody off, but I just think I kind of feel like how most people should feel about it. I don't really understand why everyone's up in arms about it. I don't, I don't think, I bet you Aldine doesn't care as much as everyone else cares. I don't, maybe he does, but like, I don't, I think that, I don't think he was like cutting this song. Like, here we go. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it's kind of always been, I don't think, uh, also it's not hard to, uh, go on the internet and figure out where he stands you know what i'm saying but i think right of course um, i think all of it's, it's kind of just a just an overreaction i guess but i mean you put it out there for people to see and to and to listen to and to talk about so they can talk about it so it's like you open yourself up to it i mean the reason why i see all this playing out and i'm thinking i'm here in nashville where jason is you know the base of it all and i have to tap in you know <laughs> tap in style to somebody here on the ground who is doing it and is up and coming and is making their way in country. And something that's been so fascinating to me since coming to Nashville is seeing how buttoned up country music, the, the PR machine is because my background was in Hollywood where it is the most uptight with film and TV and all this. And I was really surprised. Like, my little boots were shaking and were not expecting the buttoned up MO of country music here because everything on the image and on the surface is like, oh, you know, good times and we don't care and beers and trucks and we're having a good time. And these people are the most uptight and curated about their image. So I throw this out to you because I see so many talented up and coming people here, right? There are writers rounds, there are people performing everywhere you go. And I think this all the time, and this is just yet another thing that validates it is our artists kind of shaking in their boots. Does this make them, does this kind of, he's like, yes, like, does this make them even more afraid? Cause I don't think they should be. You talk about like country artists scared to be like maybe controversial vocal or about anything step out of line at all. Yeah. In their yeah, music I, in real life. I think it, I th honestly, I think it has a lot to do with like what you want out of your career. Right. Like, I think you have to, like, if you're going to speak on these things, you have to do it with the basic understanding that you are going to alienate some people that don't have the same opinion as you, regardless of what side of the fence you sit on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if you're okay with doing that, then that's fine. You know, like, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone really has a problem with, with speaking out. You just have to understand what comes with that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes. And have it, and have it buttoned up. Like with this whole thing, I don't have an issue with his message and the whole thing, but parts of it creatively were just slob kebab, just sloppy. Like the fact that he was like every image and and newsreel clip in this is real life news footage. And we come to find out that some of it is like, you know, cheesy stock footage that wasn't even in America. Like things like that, where it's like, my dear, yeah. have it buttoned up. But I don't have a problem with, like I said, having, you know, a message at, at the base of it. Yeah, I also think too, it's like, sometimes we have to understand that here in Nashville, we live in like um, our own little bubble, right? right? You know, like, um, I guess, like, you know, you see a lot of, this is like a small example. You'll see like an artist make music that's like very different for country, right? Which is super cool. And here in Nashville, we're like, oh man, that's sick. But maybe like your Bible Belt country fan 
run-of-the-mill guy doesn't quite get it. And I think you you kind of have the same thing here where it's to, – to see what goes on, you have to understand how things work. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't. I could be way off here. I'm not going to speak for him. But, like, talking about the footage and stuff, like – I doubt Aldean had like that much in a, of a hand in like selecting the footage. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, take the song, for example, he didn't write it, you know, which well, something else that's controversial is the location. I don't know if you know about this, but the courthouse that it's shot in front of with an American flag and that in and of itself is super controversial because it was the site of, you know, a lynching in, in the twenties and, you know, a riot in the forties dealing with race. And part of me wondered too, did he even know? Like, it's about yeah. crossing your T's and dotting your eyes creatively. It's like, I don't, yeah. you, I don't know. Like, as an artist, do you have, are you integrated that much in every detail of the creative? Or do you think that this is like a sloppy kind of oversight? Yeah, um, honestly, it's like artist by artist. You know, like some people True. are really yeah. involved in that stuff and some people aren't. Like, for example, I had no idea that that was, that that courthouse had any historical meaning until it was brought up on social media you know what I mean and I know I, I, where where is it by the way it's in Colombia, but also it's worth noting that other things like the Hannah Montana movie was shot there so let's yeah. just put that out there I don't know if they did their due diligence either but think, you know I also think kind of like no matter where you go like I, I like if you're going to film a video like that for example like kind of like no matter where you go if somebody digs deep enough they're going to find yeah something you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know what, like as as a country community as a whole, like what what why are you going to decide or where is the line? Right. I, like, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. Like where where is the line? Like, where do you decide what you're going to be a part of and what you're not? Right. And I'm taking my own personal beliefs out of it. Like whether you are Aldine and you're doing that video, like try that in a small town or you're Kelsey Ballerini hosting the CMT awards with uh, the the drag queen stuff. Right. Like, right. Which, which is totally fine. Like, I don't care at all, but I guess what I'm trying to say is you would think that if you're going to let somebody do one, you should let somebody do the other, unless it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. but if it's just like an opinion thing, then you should let an artist make their art. You know, there's a lot of I artists agree. that stay out of it and just make music, but there's a lot of artists historically that have very politically charged um, yeah. um, art, you know? And it's like, but you have to let them make that. You know, if you don't, you lose out on so many generational acts like Rage Against the Machine, you know, all the, all those people. I mean, everybody, no matter what side of the coin you sit on. Me personally, I know it sounds a little whitewashed, but like, I just listen to the music. Like, I really don't yeah. care. Like everybody was up in arms a few months ago about Sam Smith and like what he was doing on stage and stuff in the pop world. Like, dude, don't give a shit. I love them songs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I said, I, yeah, I said the same thing. I'm like, quit being so tight. And I think I love what you said about it's like rules for thee, but not for me. It's so selective. Yeah. It's I am always an advocate of let people make their art, period. You don't have to agree with it, but I agree. We will never, you know, evolve or have those cutting edge acts. And that's what scares me. That's why I asked you the very first thing. I look around and I'm like, is everyone just tiptoeing, walking on eggshells? Because we can't be having that. But yeah. my last question for you, and really quick, have you worked or been in the orbit of of notable, you, I mean, you definitely have, right? Of notable Artists. Like, oh yeah 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 for sure whether you like can you name drop a couple who you've like some, written some, with whatever you know performed anything like that 
Yeah, like some close friends of mine would be like Michael Ray, uh, Mitchell Tenpenny, um, uh, Ernest is a buddy. Um, sh- shoot, I mean, I'd have to. Yeah, a, a lot of them, though. I would say like most of them, you know, he's got friends, I, I in, high, he's got friends in high places. Well, see, I mean, you just hear long enough. You go out to the bars long enough. You make some friends, you know, exactly. Cole is another good buddy of mine. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in their you, orbit for sure. You got the beard, the nose ring, the tattoo, their conversation starters. It's not hard for you. Um, lastly, kind of going off of that last thing that we said, right? I always find myself and I found this in Hollywood, too. I'm always on the seesaw a little bit because there's a part of me that's like, just entertain us. But then there's a part of me of what I just said, who will be, you know, the rule breakers and the innovators and the the boundary pushers. So what is your kind of final thoughts on like, the balance of entertaining versus being politically charged. What's the line? And, you know, when is it too much? Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, I know, I know it sounds cliche, but it's really just what you want out of your career. Like if you're, if you're fine, like take me for example, right. I'm an opinionated person, like personally, you know, like my friends know where I stand and stuff like that, but you know, I was kind of raised in a little bit of an old school way, which doesn't really exist anymore. You can see, you can sit on the totally opposite side of the fence than me. I'm still going to respect you. As long as you are Period. informed, as long as you are informed and educated and you are basing your beliefs and opinions around that information and education, then I respect that. How, who am I to argue with it? You know what I mean? But if, so me personally, I've just always been about the art. Like I love music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I wanted to be in politics, I would be in politics now. There comes a time, though, when I think you just have to stand up for what's right. Like, if you believe in something enough, you know, whether you sit on the left or right side of the fence, whatever, I think there comes a time when, like, people just get pushed too far. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's when people will say something. I think people are starting to care less, honestly, right now. Because the the things that used to hold the key to success in your career 10 years ago don't as much anymore. You know, I mean, you can make a career on social media. You know what I mean? I can blow up on TikTok and be selling a thousand tickets everywhere I go where, you know, you kind of used to have to keep it pretty high and tight for like radio and stuff like yeah. that. And you, still should. you should still respect where you're going and, and who yeah. you're seeing. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I would say that there's a, a, a lot more uh, opinionated people than there used to be. And I think I think in the next five years or so that you will see some of those opinions um, be brought more to the surface. I, you always got to I think like this, right? country music in regards to its branding and um, content game and stuff like that is always like five or 10 years behind pop for whatever reason. Right. It just That's is, true. Right. And it's kind of like whatever you see going on in pop five years ago is like what will start happening now in country. And you see like, not that they've ever been scared, but kind of you see it more now than ever with the social media age, like a lot of pop artists being more vocal about it and it being accepted, you know, and I think you'll see that more in country coming up too, because it's a lot more like everybody's like, oh, Nashville, country music, like yeah. home of the conservative people. Nashville as a city is like very progressive. You yeah. know what I mean? I so, say, and but we got to be careful though, no virtue signaling left, right, and side. That, that's the thing. It's like either like the Wild West fun of it or like go hard or go home, you know? And I love what you said about the Sam Smith thing. It's like, respect all across the board because if one group is trying to silence Sam Smith, the other with Jason Aldean, it just goes round and round. Like you wouldn't like it if it was pointed at you. So let's just have it go uh, always and not, yeah. not be hypocrite. You know but I, mean? I will say, I will say one thing about it. I don't like when 
other artists that know how hard you have to work to be in the position that they're in, like at the top of their game, like you can love or hate Aldine, right? Or love and hate Sam Smith. It takes so much work to get to that point in your career, you know? So even if I don't like your music or what you stand for, I respect the work that you put into it. And I think some of the, some of the other artists that jumped on social media the other day and were calling out Aldine, it was just interesting because y'all, you have a way to reach that person, but you choose to go on social media. Right. You're talking real loud and it goes for anything that that's, you know, insecurity. And so, you know, if you can back your shit up, that's all you need. Yeah. I've always been the type of person, like, if you got a problem with me and you have my phone number and you don't use my phone number first, then we have bigger problems. You know what I mean? Take it outside. All right, sir. I gotta, I gotta let you go. Thank you for the input and we will take it outside, but you know, in the best way. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. So with all that being said, with the Barbie movie, with the Jason Aldean, like I said, it's both things to me, whether it be the right attacking Barbie, whether it be the left attacking Jason Aldean. I mean, it's the number one, the thing that goes without saying nothing can just be what it is anymore. Um, Nothing can be enjoyed or taken in or thoughtfully critiqued, right? Everyone feels attacked. Everyone feels on the defense. And also to really think about the messenger reading the room. What's the right, like, is there, I, I don't even know if I have a definitive answer, right? But just something to think about, like, what's the, the, is it about the messenger? Is it about the message? You know, are we going a little too hard on shutting people up? Are we not allowing the room for growth or for discourse? Um, what have you? So the last uh, example of craziness going on in the entertainment world is the movie, The Sound of Freedom. It is starring Jim Caviezel and it's about Tim Ballard's real life story of basically um, exposing a child sex trafficking ring, I believe in Colombia, um, and reuniting a little boy and a little girl. And it tells the story of this and the whole, this whole controversy to me is so like, so extremely bizarre because the way that the, you know, liberal media, the lengths that they're going to smear this movie is wild. Also, you know, it's really murky territory because obviously, you know, trafficking and child sex trafficking is an issue. Like no one's arguing that it's not an issue, but what's so bizarre to me, and this is, this was like a sleeper indie movie. And the, the filmmakers talk about how like Disney, everyone shut it down, right? So this is where the right goes a little bit hard because they make child sex trafficking. It's like this, this big crusade and, and that's fine, but they take it to the extreme of like, this is why Hollywood and no one wants you to see this because they're covering their own tracks. And it's like, the, almost like the Barbie thing, right? It's like, you guys don't do yourselves any favors because because of this extremism in terms of the sound of freedom, like being so consp- willing to jump to a conspiracy, right? Like people are automatically going to be like, is that feasible? Really? Hollywood and all that, they're, they're not showing that, you know, they're, again, it's, it's worth being looked at. Like, why didn't Disney pick it up? Why didn't this other studio pick it, pick it up? Right. But they're so quick to hop on the conspiracy train about, you know, Hollywood and the government and the powers that be who, you know, are in this horrible business, so to speak. Right. 
But what I find so disgusting and concerning is how you have outlets like the Rolling Stone, Jezebel, the Guardian doing like going so hard. I read every piece and I read them thoroughly going so hard to discredit this movie to the point where they will downplay, you know, they'll quote people like Tim Ballard and they'll write all of this off as right-wing paranoia and hysteria and that, you know, right-wingers and Jim Caviezel and Tim Ballard, they just want to scare you and make you think that this is happening in your backyard and that it's so much more of a problem than it is. And this is further where they like kick themselves and like put, put their mouth in their foot, their foot in their mouth because they will literally go so far to be like, you know, child sex trafficking. Like these people are saying it affects, you know, 300 million or 100 million. All the numbers, by the way, on all these outlets are different, but, and then they'll be like, but really it only affects like X million, you know, or X thousand. And that to me, it makes you guys look so embarrassing and so gross because it makes you look like there's like, there's nothing to see here. Almost like you're complicit and defending this horrible problem. And not to mention the hypocrisy, like was Epstein not a thing and all of his buddies, like, where's the, what? Like, as if none of that happened. So all I'm saying is, I don't know how big of a problem this actually is. I don't know if conservatives and people like Tim Ballard are inflating it, but all I know is it's obviously a problem and it's something to be looked at. And the fact that the media is going so hard to literally say, like Rolling Stone's headline is literally saying, the sound of freedom is, you know, a QAnon's conspiracy theorist dream and writing it all off as like conspiracy lunacy makes you guys look really bad and is an embarrassment as journalists, like shame on you. And so the overall take from all three of these, ironically, is that the Barbie movie, Jason Aldean's song, the sound of freedom have and are blowing up Barbie everybody's talking about it. Ben Shapiro weighed in on it. Okay. So, you know, if Ben Shapiro is going out of his way, like everyone feels the need to comment on this movie. It's projected to make a lot of money. Jason Aldean, his song hit number one on iTunes, like instantaneously, the sound of freedom, everybody wrote it off. And it was just word of mouth on the internet. Basically that is, it's like right up there with Indiana Jones. If not, I think almost dethroning it. Don't quote me, but is not so much a sleeper. Like everybody's going to see this movie. So with all of this, you know, some big takeaways, right? Again, I don't know if I have a solidified conclusion, but the fact that all of these have blown up. So it's like, think about it. It's like, you're all fueling each other's fire, right? Like for better or worse. So it's almost like you want to be in this position because everyone's going to be talking about you and seeing you, right? Like you're making all of this blow up, even if you're a critic. But on the other side of that, what's problematic about our culture is that because we're always attacking, everyone has to sit, have a say, we're always on the defense. Nothing I feel like can actually be seen for what it is or taken in for what it is, or again, looked at thoughtfully or critically. It's like everybody has to jump on the bandwagon one way or another, and it's just not healthy. And my biggest takeaway from this is that quite frankly, it needs to stop. 
you know, earlier today, I shot with my hero, Matt Taibbi, who is the leading journalist behind the Twitter files, you know, that bombshell uh, unfolding of events with Elon Musk and Twitter and all this. And he and I really talk about all of this, like censorship and art and letting art be art. And it's really worth asking yourselves what Matt Taibbi and I talk about is how it's really concerning. Because if you start going round and round, this person or that group's going to go after that and then that after that. And it just sets really bad precedent for people who have power who you don't want to come in to shut you up. So we have to be careful for what it's putting in place. And guys, we already have enough people censoring us and being the enforcers from media to government to schools. Do we really all want to be the censors of each other? Something to think about.